time for Children's Church. If you are between the ages of three and fifth grade and you'd like to, upstairs is the time of your life learning that Jesus is alive. Now's the time to go. Not all at once. Now, if there are other uh, older kids or college students or parents who are just trying to get out of uh, hearing one of my messages, don't even try it. We card up there. So uh, glad you're all here. Matthew chapter 27, that's where we are this morning. If you have your Bibles, you want to open there, Matthew chapter 27. If you don't have a Bible with you, you'd like to use one this morning, take a look under one of the seats in front of you. Um, That Bible is yours to use for this service. If you don't own one, that's yours to keep. If you're using one of those Bibles, uh, you want to turn to page 711. And if you don't have one, again, that's our free gift. You can just take it with you when you go. The way I'd suggest you do it is just stuff it under your shirt and run fast, okay? Good, good. Before we dive in, we have a little bit of an Easter tradition here, something I do every year, and that is unveiling my traditional Easter shirt. Yeah, glory to God for the shirt. Um, This is special to me because it is the only day of the year that I am allowed to wear this shirt. Every other day of the year, it is on double secret probation hiding lockup by my wife, Cherie, my daughter Quincy. They put it away so they can't find it, take it out, wear it in public, and bring shame to the family name. So I don't know. I think that this shirt is a celebration of life. And you say, how can that shirt be a celebration of life when I wouldn't be caught dead wearing it? It's simply this, that it is doing on the outside what I pray that my heart and your heart is doing on the inside before we leave here today. And that is exploding in all beauty and color and, and, and joy and experience of the reality of the risen Christ in you. That's what I pray. That's what I pray. And I'm glad that, that, that people come uh, to church. We were packed out at nine. There's a, a lot of people here. We're so glad um, because, you know, Easter is not just for hardcore churchy folks. They're not. They're for all of our friends. They're for um, our friends who might be a little skeptical, who may be a little doubtful, who um, are friends who are in kind of this mix where they're somewhat sure that Jesus is legit, but they're nowhere near pushing all their chips in the middle of the table on them, you know? And so for everybody, whether you're committed to Jesus Christ, you've been walking with him since prior to your birth and all of that, or you're far from Christ and you're just kicking the tires and finding out more about it. You are so, so welcome here. So welcome here. And if you're just finding out about the faith and, and find, what better place to do it than, than here? So uh, we're glad to have you. Glad to have you. Today, my prayer is that I'm asking Jesus to roll away the stone to roll away the stone for you and for me. Now, what does roll away the stone mean? Well, as you saw in the video, as you know through the gospel, most, many of you, um, that Jesus was God with skin on. He came and lived the life that we could never live. And he went to the cross, the only innocent, the only innocent. And he took upon him all the junk, all the garbage, all the hateful and hurtful things I've ever thought, said, and done. 
all the hateful, hurtful things you've ever thought, said, and done, all the hateful, hurtful things that have ever been said and done to you, and all the ways that we've tried to be our own God. See, he took that and he nailed it to the cross. And after he died, he died there, putting it to death. And in doing that, he killed sin, Satan, the grave, hatred, hopelessness, depression, darkness, addiction, right? And he goes to the tomb and they roll this stone this great stone in front of the tomb. But the stone was rolled away. Jesus is alive. And in that, he won. He won for life. Life won. Jesus won. Love won. Beauty won. Freedom won. And he won it all for you. For you and for me. So that's what we celebrate. And Jesus at Easter sends us the message that he specializes in doing the impossible. Doing the impossible. So we're kicking off a series of four weeks today called Rolling Stone. And just as he rolled the stone away from the tomb in which he lay, from which he rose, we're going to get Rolling Stone prayers. Rolling Stone prayers. What is that Rolling Stone prayer in your life? That seeming impossibility, that immovable thing that you have expended all your energy Pushing against, pushing against with your will, with your hopes, with your prayers that has never moved. And you desperately need Jesus to move that stone. If you know what that is, I think we know what that is because we obsess about it, don't we? I have one. You have one. If if you have it, I I just want to give you enough time. So if you know what your rolling stone prayer is, would you just raise your hand? And And then when we've got, you know what it is? You know what it is? Do you have one? You have one. We all have one. You know why? Because we're not done yet. We're not done yet. We're all, we're all broken. We're, we're all broken. We all have a stone that needs to be rolled away in our life. Maybe it's for a loved one. I want you, if you don't have it now, get it. Get it throughout this message and hold on to it because we're going to need it later, okay? That rolling stone prayer. Now, we've got this message. We've got this series, these four weeks, these four Sundays, where we're going to see, we're going to trust, we're going to press in, we're going to see Jesus rolling away these stones, one after the other, after the other, after the other. The impossible, the miraculous. You see, here's where, like, church people, they get it wrong. They sometimes get it wrong. See, the Bible was not just given to us as a collection of stories, however true, to show us simply what Jesus had the power and the will to do 2,000 years ago. It is that, but it's so much more. It's given to us to show us what Jesus has the power and will and ability to do right here, right now, in your life, for you, for his glory. Amen? So as you're coming up with your Rolling Stone prayer, don't make it like a 108-inch flat-screen TV. I mean, really. (laughs) That's jacked up, really. I'm just saying. What is he pressing on your heart? What is the struggle of your life? What stone is immovable and impossible? I believe we're going to see him do it. So I hope you'll stay with us over these four weeks. If you're not like a regular churchgoer, I'm not asking you to go from sleeping in every Sunday morning to being this creepy, church-obsessed person. I'm not. But four Sundays, four hours, (coughs) and those who know me know it can get a little long. Four Sundays, 
to trust Jesus to rock your world. I need that. If you need that too, I invite you to come. What else are you going to do? It's mud season. Four weeks to a changed life. It's great. It's great. And like I said, if you're here and you're not familiar with us, we are not a place where you can't be yourself. We are all broken people. And we're putting our arms around each other. We're putting our hearts around each other. And we're limping. Sometimes we're carrying each other. Sometimes we're splint, sprinting. God bless us to Jesus again and again and again. And as he transforms us and he puts that life inside us that he created us to live, that's what it's about. But we're not done yet. There's no perfect people. We're frequently saying here, we're a family of broken people whom Jesus loves recklessly. If you leave here with nothing else, if your life is a wreck, just know that Jesus loves you incredibly right where you are, as you are, not some future version of you. Okay? Good. Now, um, so I hope you'll join us for this series. A little commercial for it. Um, Matthew 27. Matthew 27. If you're not there, um, if you turn there, great. Um, We're going to pick it up in verse 57. Now, here's what just happened. Jesus has just gone to the cross as our substitute in our place for our junk, for our sin, and he has died, right? And Just to make sure, a soldier has pierced Jesus' heart through with a sword. And and Jesus did this all because we deserve the death sentence. We did the crime. He did the time. That's what we're so grateful for. That's what we're so grateful for. So this has happened, and this is where we pick it up. Okay? Verse 57, here we go. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who also was a disciple of Jesus. And he went to Pilate. Now, the, now this is Pontius Pilate, uh, the, the ruler who sentenced Jesus to death, right? He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him, to Joseph. And Joseph took the body of Jesus and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut into the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb. Okay, we're going to stop there for a second. We're going to do this in different sections like episodes of a television show between commercials. And as we do each one, I'd like you to take a look at the people we meet, keep your eyes on Jesus, and how they all react to the stone. And how do we relate to the people we meet? So who do we meet here? We meet Joseph. Who is Joseph? Joseph is a rich guy. Joseph is a member of the ruling class. And the Gospel of John, talking about this same passage, tells us that Joseph was indeed a follower of Jesus Christ. However, he did it in secret. He did it in the shadows. Why? Because he was afraid. He he feared the people in power and the Jews who were in power. and, And so he didn't live out his faith for Jesus publicly. He did it secretly. He was ashamed of his faith in Christ. And there, the Gospel of John also, cool ringtone by the way, um, the Gospel of John also tells us that Joseph wasn't alone. 
Joseph wasn't alone. There were other people there, and they brought with them about 75 pounds of spices that they would um, put along the body of Jesus and, and before they wrapped him up. Uh, this was according to the Jewish burial customs. And then they together rolled this stone. Joseph was rich. He owned this very elaborate, very expensive tomb that had been carved in the side of the mountain. And they rolled this stone in front of the mouth of the, or the entrance to the tomb. Now, this wasn't just any stone. Now, you're saying, is this the actual? No, it's not the actual stone. Don't be fooled. But this was a great stone. It was a giant stone. And the reason that they did this, um, they would carve, they would carve these, these circular-looking, very, um, very heavy stones, and they would put them in a groove, and it went down into a ditch or a channel when it got in front of the entrance to the tomb. And it would fit in the opening to the tomb like a cork in a wine bottle, if you will. Okay, so this was a great stone. It took a lot of people to move it in and more people to move it out because it was in this impression. And so it would take a lot of strong men in a lever to, to get that stone rolling. And uh, some archaeologists estimate that the weight of the stone was between one and a half to two tons. And um, the stone was there primarily to ensure that no people or animals would, would disturb the remains of the deceased. So Jesus is dead. Jesus is dead. And his friends, his apostles, those who follow him, believe that hope is dead. That forgiveness is dead. That life, real life, is dead, that forgiveness is dead, that the opportunity to have a passionate love relationship with the creator of the universe is dead, and they're mourning, it's buried, it's over, hope has died. And I ask this morning, maybe, maybe that's where some of you are. Um, there is a lot, a lot of hopelessness out there. And, and maybe some of it has found a home in your heart, in your mind, that you've counted on things, you've hoped for things, they've just not come through, or maybe just the constant pressure and pain of the life that you've been living has just squeezed and sapped the hope out of you. There's just no hope. And if that's you, there is good news this morning because Jesus is hope. Jesus is hope. The message of Easter is one of hope. And so I ask that you pray this morning that God would roll away the stone of hopelessness in your life because he'll do it. He'll do it. Or, or maybe, maybe you could relate to Joseph. Maybe you could relate to Joseph who's a secret believer. Maybe you find it easy to be a follower of Jesus Christ in a place like this. Excuse me. Maybe you find it easy to be excited about Jesus in church or around other believers or maybe by yourself. But we get to work, we get in our neighborhoods, we get in our friendships, we get in our social scene and we'd rather him be our secret friend. But you finally, you finally know how Jesus feels about you, that he is relentlessly, passionately in love with you. And it's time to come out of the closet 
and live loud for him because he died loud for you and he rose loud for you and for me. And if you want to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, pressing into him and to each other as we come to him to get our brokenness healed, you know, we all have different symptoms of the same disease, right? Right? I mean, we're the church, and I apologize, is very fond of getting these designer sins that they like to beat up on. My brokenness, your brokenness, different variations of the same theme, okay? I apologize to you if the church has beat you up over your brokenness because theirs is more socially acceptable or hidden. That's even more dangerous. Oh, God forbid. If you have a sin that's obvious, praise God because at least you know what it is and at least you can come and get healed. Those of us who are in most trouble are the ones with the clean outsides and dark, bitter hearts because we fool ourselves. We believe the lie, right? Well, maybe you can relate to Joseph. It's time to come out of the shadows. Broken people whom Jesus loves recklessly. That's us. Ask him to roll away that stone of embarrassment, shame this morning. He can do it. He will do it. Okay, next, next clip. Next clip. <coughs> Here we go. We're going to continue on in, in verse 62. I want you to check out the plot of the people who don't believe in Jesus. Here we go. The next day, that is after the day of preparation, the chief priests... And the Pharisees, get that, gathered before Pilate. Okay, they're before Pilate now. And said, sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive. Now, here, I just want you to see, the people who hate Jesus um, admit that he's dead. They said, the imposter said while he was alive. You've heard this lie about the swoon theory where Jesus didn't really die on the cross he wasn't just beaten the ribbons, nailed to the cross, had a spear go through his heart. He just passed out. <laughs> and then he came back. Well, those, those who hated him the most didn't even believe that. <laughs> okay? While he was still alive, he said, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away. And then they tell the people, he has risen from the dead. And that last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers, go make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Sealing a stone and setting a guard. Okay, here we go. What did they do? What did they do? Sealing the stone is an order from the Roman Political power, okay? They would take a rope or ribbon or something like that. They would connect from this side beyond the stone of the tomb all the way beyond the stone to the other side. And they would put at each end a big glob of hot wax. And they would imprint that with the seal of the Roman government. Which means you break that, we break you. You face the wrath of, of the powers, that be. Now, they sealed the stone and they set a guard. Now, a guard was usually, at that time, um, a group of four soldiers, elite, dedicated, strong, fighting men who would stay 
and guard the tomb. Two would work and two would rest so that there was no question that they'd fall asleep on the job. Why? Because not only had Pilate said, make it as secure as you can, but any guard that was assigned to a certain duty and failed in that duty received as punishment the same punishment of the person they were guarding. You tracking with me? In this case, it would be death. So that tomb was secure. That tomb was secure. It wasn't going anywhere. It wasn't going anywhere. So we meet another group of people. We have the chief priests and the Pharisees. Who are they? They're the do-gooders, right? They're the moral, they're the moralists. They look down on everybody else. They make these rules and they're so strict. They think that they can earn God's approval by their strictness and all the things they do, 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 do. Don't, 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 don't. Don't think, drink, dance, smoke, or chew, or go with girls who do, right? And we're gonna make sure everybody else does too because then God's happy. Because that's what God's about. They didn't get it. That the behavior, our outside, which we're so fond of focusing on, is just an overflow of our heart. Our words, our actions, our intentions, our attitudes, it's just an overflow of your heart. So you get the outsides right and your heart is wrong. Guess what? You're wrong. You let Jesus transform your heart and the outsides are going to take care of themselves. Why? Because everything we do and say and think and feel is an overflow of our heart. They didn't get that. So they had this church structure where they're going to oppress other people, right? They're going to look down on other people. They're going to burden other people. They're going to manipulate other people by looking down on them and controlling them. And... um, Here you have church people who have driven people away from Jesus. Church people who drive people away from God rather than draw people to God. And I am sorry. I'm sorry that this still happens. And if you can relate, if if you have been hurt by the church that has um, neglected or refused to admit that they are broken as well. And we all just need to go to the healer. Our people have tried to follow Jesus without loving you as Jesus does. Um, I'm sorry because I know I've done it. Church people who have driven people away from Jesus rather than drawing them to him. If the church has broken your heart, don't give up on Jesus. The church will let you down. I will let you down. Institutional organized religion will let you down. Jesus never will. Don't let a bad church experience keep you away from the lover of your soul. Don't follow me. Follow with me because I will let you down. If you've been hurt 
by the church. Be healed by the Lord. Ask Jesus to roll that stone of resistance or hurt away for you this morning. We're to be, I'm just so convicted um, because I've done it. Um, we're to be the body of Christ, the love of Christ. And often um, we're the nails and the thorns. So let's focus together on him, okay? All right, next clip. Keep going. We're in uh, Matthew 28. You're going to get home, you know, time for dinner. Okay, verse 1. Now, next episode. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh at the scriptures, but I got to take a little sidebar here. How lame would it be to be the other Mary? <laughs> I mean, really? Doesn't that do wonders for your self esteem? <laughs> yeah. Is that that beautiful, lovely, funny Mary, Mary Allen that we love? No, the other one. <laughs> it's, we have that problem in our church. Everybody but me, me on staff is named Ryan. <laughs> Everybody's the other Ryan. It's like when your parents got mad at you, so mad at you when you were a kid that they couldn't remember your name. <laughs> like that never happened to me, but I, I can understand if it happened to you. Okay. <laughs> So Mary and the other Mary went to see the tomb. They're visiting the gravesite, if you will, okay? And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he has risen as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. And there you will see him. See, I have told you. Now we're not done with the episode, but I got to pause. We got to check something out. Now, if the apostles and the early church fathers are tinkering with and rewriting scripture like some believe, then you don't have two women discover first that Jesus is risen. You don't have two women discover that Jesus is risen as the first witnesses and the first messengers. Why? Because in Jewish and Roman culture in the first century... Very chauvinistic, very chauvinistic. In fact, women were not believed. Women had no clout, had no, had no influence. In the court of law, a woman's testimony didn't even exist. Didn't even exist. So if you're rewriting the Bible, you don't have two women discover first that Jesus is risen. But Jesus is different. He elevates women. He loves women. He appears to them. And you don't have Mary Magdalene be one of them right? You don't have Mary Magdalene be one of them. Mary Magdalene has a past. Baby, she's got a rap sheet. You know what I'm saying? 
There are things in her life, in her past, that she wishes were not true. Just like there are things in my past that I wish were not true. Maybe like you. Maybe you have things in your past that that you wish weren't true. You know, I often say we all have baggage. and, And some of us are fortunate enough that our baggage fits in the overhead bin, right? But not me. If you're like me, man, you're, you're carting all of it, you know? And Jesus is setting you free from that. Mary Magdalene had luggage, baby. She did. In fact, Scripture says that at one time, Jesus cast out seven demons from her, right? So here's a woman, here's a broken woman. And Jesus is saying, guess what? My love is bigger and stronger than anything that you've ever done or thought of doing to break my heart. He's saying to you, my love is so much bigger and stronger than anything that you've ever done, regardless of how many times you've done it. The message of Easter is there's life. There's life. And there's hope. And there's forgiveness for people like Mary, for people like me, for people like you. So maybe we can relate Let's finish up this, uh, this episode and then we'll go. Verse 10, or 8 rather. So they departed quickly from the tomb with great fear and great joy. And they ran to tell his disciples and behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. I, wanted, I want you to notice a couple of things. I want you to notice a couple of things. Jesus commands the angel to roll back the stone. Jesus commands the angel to roll back the stone. Why? Not to let him out. He was already out. He didn't roll back the stone for Jesus. He rolled back the stone for us so that we could see in and see the tomb was empty, see that Jesus is risen, right? I mean, Jesus didn't need anybody else to roll back the stone. It's not like he's inside the tomb and the stone's there and he's knocking, hello, Hello, it's dark. Can God get a little help here? The angel would finish your happy meal. Come down here, please. It's not happening. He made the stone. He could move through the stone. He could vaporize the stone. He, you know, my skeptical friends are fond of asking these trick questions like, can God make a stone so big he can't lift it? Jesus made the stone Jesus made mountains. He moves mountains. Jesus made all of creation. All of the universe holds it together. Holds it together. In in him, the scripture says, all things hold together. He can make anything he wants. He can move anything he wants. He can do it. Against all odds, he does the impossible. Again and again and again. And if you have a rolling stone prayer, he'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. He can do it. He can do it. He can do it, and we need to live in the faith to know that he will do it for you, for you. Because this book is not just about what he did, it's what he does. And if we're going to stand on it, and if we're going to believe it, it's time to get dangerous with our prayers and our hopes, because that's where we meet Jesus and know his power. I want you to notice that. I want you to notice the guards Okay, guys, you and me, 
little word here. Um, <clears throat> and ladies, please don't replay this on the way home. It's not going to go well. But um, the guards were men, okay? The guards were strong men, and they are scared stupid, right? And the women are rejoicing. Maybe you can relate. Guys, we need to stand up. We need to stand up. If we're going to follow an alpha male like Jesus Christ, it's about time we stood up and be counted. Stop hiding in the shadows and stop counting on our wives and our girlfriends to be the spiritual leaders in our relationships, in our marriages, in our communities. The church is filled with women and children while the men stay home. And men, it's time for us to man up because it's serious and it's glorious. And if there's, if there's a battle to go through, we go through it first. If there's a bullet to take, we take it first. If there's a fire to walk through, we're going through it. Why? Not because uh, our women are weak and fragile and can't do anything. No, it's because we're called to love them as Christ loved the church and he took everything, took everything for the one he loved. The world is crying out for brothers and fathers and sons to stand up, to man up. Okay? Let's do it together. Or maybe, maybe you don't just relate to the guards. Maybe you notice that Jesus couldn't wait. The plan was, right? The angel told him, you go to Galilee, you're going to meet him there. Well, they leave and Jesus appears. He jumps the gun. He can't wait to be face to face, heart to heart, in arms with his people. He can't wait. It's not about them knowing the facts that he has risen. He doesn't want the Marys to just know, oh yeah, Jesus is risen. I read that somewhere. I read that in the Bible. I read that in Sunday school. I heard that at vacation Bible school. No, he wants us all, just like them, to have a real living experience of him, risen, real, loving, powerful, bringing life he couldn't wait he couldn't wait hope you can't wait maybe you're where Mary Magdalene was this morning the least likely least likely to find Jesus people in your high school people in college people who know you said it's the last one last one who's ever gonna who's ever gonna find faith She was the least likely. Guess what? I'm the least likely. Guess what? Some of you are the least likely. Here's the good news. Jesus loves the least likely. They're some of his favorite people. He came for the least likely. You see, the more broken we are when he finds us and turns us around and makes us into the men and women he created us to be, the more glory he gets. Right? Wedding feast in Canaan, he didn't take water and make it into bottled water, really good water. He made it into wine, something entirely different. If you're the least likely, and you've got a list of reasons why Jesus isn't going to move your stone, because you've done this, and you felt this, and you made this choice and that mistake, you're the very reason he came. There's hope. There's hope. You're not going to have a trouble finding people who want to condemn you for the stuff in your past. I don't care what it is. 
The good news is Jesus' favorite expression is not, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. It's come here, come to me, come home, be forgiven. You're free, not guilty. I became guilty so you could be innocent. That's the good news. All right, last clip. Last clip, verse 11. Check out the elaborate scheme, the cover-up that, that, that comes after. Verse 11, while they were going, <clears throat> while they were going, behold, some guard, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. Now, um, I'm willing to bet a few of the guards stopped home real quick for a change of pants. Just saying. Just saying. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. As I told you, the penalty there would be death. It's a pretty dangerous lie to tell. But they said in verse 14, and if this comes to the governor's ears, we'll satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money, and they did as they were directed, and the story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Why did the chief priests and elders want to oppose the resurrection of Jesus Christ so much, so badly, so passionately? Here's why. Because if Jesus isn't risen, then Jesus could just be a pain in their neck, right? Or at best, he could be a wise man, a good teacher, good example, all this. But if Jesus is risen, then he is not a good teacher. He is not a wise man. He is God Almighty, the Alpha, the Omega, the Creator, God, Redeemer, God, Rescuer, God, Savior, God, the beginning and the end. Everything he said is true, and they can't continue to live the way they've become fond of living. Maybe... Maybe you can relate. There are those of us who, I mean, I know. I know we, we have a way that we, we structure our days, structure our weeks, structure our lives, right? That feels good. It's comfortable. It's convenient. I'm not knowing this by looking out at you. I know this by looking in the mirror, right? And we, we have a way of living. And Christ presses in on us. And we know that if he's real, And if we yield him, we can't go on doing things the way we've already done them. And we've grown fond of the life with the parts that we push him away and keep him at arm's length, right? Here's here's the reality, though. The life that we live apart from him isn't life at all. It's a continuous journey to ever-increasing death. And Jesus isn't trying to deprive us of joy, trying to deprive us of freedom, deprive us of life. He's trying to lead us into it. Because he created it. He knows how it works. And he can lead us into life and freedom and forgiveness and joy. So the life I choose apart from him is death. And in him is life. Because he loves us. But maybe you resist because your old life is comfortable. And new life in Christ, well, that's a little scary. Because I don't know what he's going to do. I can tell you this. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be great. But maybe you can relate 
Not only to that, but to the guards. How can I relate to the guards? Well, the guards were there. The guards knew. The guards knew that Jesus was real. The guards knew that Jesus was God. Why? Because they saw it. They saw the tomb. His body was in the tomb. They saw the stone roll away. They saw the angel. They saw the women. They saw it all. They had this experience, this sense, this this encounter with the power and the reality of the risen Christ. And then they went back and they got paid off. And they went back to comfortable life, normal life, predictable job. They went back to life as normal. Jesus loves you too much to want life as normal for you. He wants life abundant, supernatural life. And maybe you can relate to the guards in this sense, that maybe there was a time in your past where you had a real experience of the reality and the power of the risen Christ. Maybe there was a time when you had a prayer answered or just a sense, an experience that God, that Jesus is real, that he really loves you, that he really wants a relationship with you. And then you went back to your normal routine, your comfortable life with him at an arm's length. It's what the guards did. And if that's where you are, don't make that mistake again. Don't walk away and stay away. He's calling you to come home. He's calling you to have life, new life, forgiveness, freedom, joy. And maybe, maybe we just need to pray that Jesus will roll away the stone of avoiding and ignoring him this morning. You say, that's impossible. I got so many issues. If, if Easter tells us anything, it's that Jesus specializes in the impossible. Jesus specializes in moving the immovable stone of lifting the unliftable burden, of breaking through the barrier that you thought could never be broken through. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. And we have, and I hope we have, this rolling stone prayer. Maybe it's for you. Maybe it's for a breakthrough in your life. It could be in your family. It could be in your finances, your relationship, your job. Maybe a loved one is struggling. There's a health issue or I don't know what it is. But get your rolling stone prayer because over the next four weeks, we are going to pray that prayer. We're going to learn how to trust him. We're going to see how he comes through again and again and again. And we're going to see stones rolling away, rolling away, rolling away. There's going to be an avalanche of stones and an avalanche of glory with the presence of God. I want you to have that rolling stone prayer. And if this isn't it, maybe you could add this to it. Because this is the boldest, most important rolling stone prayer you could ever pray. That we would have a passionate, devoted, love relationship with Jesus Christ for the first time. Or maybe just deeper than we've ever imagined it could go. If you're a follower already. That's what we can pray That can be our rolling stone prayer in addition to whatever else you got. So now what? All the episodes are over. It's getting to be lunchtime and the story is over. But it's not. You've heard the story. 
Now the question is, will you and I make it our story? Will you make it your story? As I said, Jesus isn't interested in us knowing the fact that he rose from the grave. Easter isn't about knowing that Jesus rose. Easter is about knowing the risen Jesus. And there's a huge difference. I wouldn't be shouting and moving around and wearing crazy shirts if it was just about knowing a fact. It's about knowing the Savior who can lift me out of darkness and into light, who can lift me out of bondage and into freedom, out of addiction and into wholeness, out of hate and bitterness and into love. I'm not done yet. But I'm on my way because of him. Will you be on your way, please? Asking the roll of stone away. I got more stones. I'm a multi-stone dude. But he's rolling them away. Will you join me? Maybe that stone, maybe that stone is standing between you and Jesus. And he wants to roll it away so you can be home in his arms, forgiven and free because of his work on the cross. Maybe that stone is standing between a past that you're not proud of and that's been painful and the future that Jesus has for you that you can't even see because it's on the other side of the stone. He wants to roll that away. He wants to roll that away so he can call you out into the life he created you to have. Because the life that we live apart from him, get this, is still in the tomb with the stone in front of it. For living apart from Jesus, no matter how great our life seems, the Bible says we're, in a sense, still living in the tomb with the stone in place. Now, we can um, decorate that tomb and make it real cool like a man cave or, or some of you ladies like the patchwork kind of country thing. I don't know, I'm not into that, but whatever you like. We can make it all comfortable and we can make it all the way we want it. But at the bottom, at the heart, we're living in our grave. And Jesus is calling us to let him roll away the stone and come out into life. Okay. At Easter, love broke through. Jesus broke through. I don't know what your resistance is, whether you're a follower or far from Jesus. We all have these walls. And today, he wants his love to break through. But he's a gentleman and he only goes where he's invited. And he only rolls stones away for people who want it, who know that there's no other way. Today is our day to come home to the lover of our souls. Today is the day for the stone to move. He's still rolling away stones. Will you let him roll yours? Let's pray.